It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. Without it, we would stumble through this life blind, not knowing which way to go. But with your word, Lord, it serves as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And you guide us, and you guide us directly to yourself that we might know your heart. We ask this morning, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit, that he would soften our hearts and quicken our minds, that we might understand even better your kingdom and how it grows in this world. For this we ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Years ago, or really decades ago now, when our four sons were young and we were living in Charlotte, we were planting a garden in our backyard. And it had been a few years since we'd planted a garden, and our youngest son, Preston, was helping us with that task. He was about four or five years old. And as we put each type of seed in the ground, I explained to him what would happen, what it would turn into. So we put a carrot seed in the ground, and I said, will this be a big, beautiful orange carrot someday? We'd put a little lettuce seed in the ground. And I said, this will grow into big, greasy lettuce, and we'll be able to eat this at dinner. This will be fabulous. I put a little tomato plant in the ground. I said, see this little plant? It'll grow up. It'll be a large plant. And then there'll be big, red, juicy tomatoes on it that we can just enjoy someday with our dinner. He was all excited about that. And we went to bed that night. And the very next morning, he got up, and he wanted to go out and look at the garden. I had no idea what he was thinking. So we went out there, and we looked, and it looked exactly like it did the night before, right? Nothing had changed. He looked up, looked up at me with these sad eyes. He said, but Daddy, it's not doing anything. <laughs> and I realized what was going on and smiled and looked at him. And I said, yes, it is, son. Trust me. Trust me. We can be like that with our Heavenly Father as well. We sow little seeds of the kingdom in our, with our prayers, when our witnessing, with deeds of mercy in the world. And then we look and see what happens. And often nothing happens immediately. And we look at our Heavenly Father and we say, but Daddy, it's not doing anything. Jesus, in part, gave this parable because he loves us and he wants us to understand how the kingdom of God actually grows so that we might give our whole hearts to it. As we look at this text this morning, this short text, I want us to ask, what do we need to understand about the kingdom of God to be encouraged to give our all for his kingdom? What do we need to understand about the kingdom of God to be encouraged to give our all for the kingdom. The, the three points are actually embedded in the title. Notice it's kind of a long title. It's sort of a, a Puritan title. The kingdom of God starts small. That's point one. Grows slowly and painfully. That's point two. But in the end, it has a big impact. The kingdom of God starts small. That's point one. I should probably qualify that and say it usually starts small. Sometimes it bursts on the scene in 1904, the Welch Revival, in the 1930s, the Great East Africa Revival, the 1970s, the United States, where the, we had the Jesus People Movement, where my wife and I were saved in the midst of that movement. Hundreds of thousands came to Christ. Sometimes it, it really burst on the scene. But the smallness of the kingdom of God is clearly what Jesus is he's trying to make a point about. He says, it is the smallest of all seeds. And he means to contrast the very small beginning of the kingdom with the largeness of it later on. And he explains that so that we will be motivated 
to work for the kingdom of God. So we won't be frustrated, but motivated to work for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God starts small. There are so many biblical examples of that. God came to Abram, Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, and said to him, I will make you a great, I will make of you a great nation. Now, when the Lord came to Abram at that very moment, here's what the kingdom of God consisted of. Abraham, a 75-year-old man, Sarai, his 65-year-old wife, their nephew Lot, and a few servants. That's a very small start to a great nation. Or think of when the vision came to Joseph. He was just a 17-year-old boy, and he was told he would become a ruler so great that his brothers would bow down before him. Or when David was anointed the least, the youngest son of Jesse. He was just a boy, a teenager, 15, 16, or 17 years old. Why? Why do you think God wants his kingdom to start so small, usually? Why does he do that? He, he could start it with millions, but he starts it small. 1 Corinthians 1, 28 and 29 gives us an answer to that question. It says this, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God wants his king, generally speaking, to start small so that when it grows large, the whole world will know God did that. And no person, no man, no woman could take credit for it. It will be clear that this is a work of God. We can see that pattern, the small start of the kingdom in our ministries today. This morning, I want to give you examples from four different churches, three from my former denomination, the PCA, and your own church, Bartow ARP. The three churches I want to use are examples are First, uh, Briarwood Church in Birmingham, Alabama, Christ Covenant Church in Matthews, North Carolina, a suburb there, was the mother church for us, and then Uptown Church, the church we planted. These are all related. Briarwood was the grandmother church, Christ Covenant, the mother church, we, the daughter church, in 1994. When Briarwood started in 1960, there were 70 charter members. The total financial input to Dr. Frank Barker's salary $5,000 a year, 70 people. Now, that's not as small as when Abraham started, but relative to the thousands and millions in the church today, that's a small start. In 1983, when Christ's covenant started, there were 38 people in Matthews, North Carolina. A total investment of $75,000 from the mother church, Briarwood, 25000 over three years, but just 38 people. And when our church was planted, when we were sent out, my wife and I, we had, there were 13 of us total, so 11 others and ourselves. And we had $60,000, $30,000 for two years. Bartow ARP was founded in 1890 with 15 charter members. I couldn't find a record of the budget, but I was told that 45 years later, when they built the church, in 18, excuse me, two years later, uh, when they built the church in 1892, it was built with only $4,500. Now, that I did a little math on that. <laughs> Adjusted for inflation, it comes out to about 140000 but still a very ex inexpensive building. Small starts to the kingdom of God. And you cannot get smaller than a baby in a manger, the birth of Jesus. 
Think about that. All the hopes and desires and wishes of the kingdom of God contained in an animal's feeding trough. In a little nowhere town, Bethlehem, in a new, little nowhere country, Israel, when everyone in the world knew that the real action was up in Rome, right? <laughs> that's where the, the money was, the wealth was, that's where important things happened and important people went. But our Lord chose to go to Bethlehem. See, our problem is we don't like the small beginnings of the kingdom. If it were up to us, we would start big. If it was up to us, we would have sent the Messiah to be born in a palace in Rome, wouldn't we? With all the armies, just think how fast the kingdom could grow. We want things to start big, to grow quickly, to have a big impact now. Send an army with me. I need millions of dollars. But our Lord starts things small. We should not despise the small starts of the kingdom of God. After the Babylonian captivity, as the people of God begin returning to Jerusalem, Zerubbabel is sent to rebuild the temple. He starts with the foundation, naturally enough, but the foundation is so puny and so small, those who remember the great, the great temple that preceded it, Solomon's temple, wept, not for joy, but for sorrow. And they're warned, cautioned, and given hope in Zechariah 4.10, which says, whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Do not despise the day of small things. But too often, we do. I remember talking to a man in our church in Charlotte some years ago who had taught a, an adult Sunday school class, and after church I asked, how did it go? And he, he said, ah, not so well, there are only 12 people. And I looked at him and thought about our Lord Jesus and his ministry, and I said, oh, only 12? <laughs> John Calvin, commenting on this passage, this parable of the mustard seed, writes these things. By these parables, Christ encourages his disciples not to be offended and turn back on the account of the humble beginnings of the gospel. <clears throat> on the contrary, the Lord opens his reign with a feeble and despicable commencement for the express purpose that his power may be more fully illustrated by its unexpected progress. No one can boast. And the kingdom of God starts so small and grows, everyone knows it is the Lord doing it. What does it mean for us today? That we should not despise the day of small things, that we should understand the kingdom of God begins this way over and over again as a new seed of the kingdom is planted. It starts small, so God will get the glory. It is the smallest of all seeds. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, do not despise the day of small things in your own ministry. Whatever he has called you to do, whatever he has given you to do, no matter how small it may be, be diligent with that. Don't think, what well, it's not, I don't have hundreds, I don't have thousands. It doesn't matter if he gives you one or two. It doesn't matter how small it is. Be diligent with whatever he gives you to do. You're teaching children's church and you have three kids in the class. Be diligent with what he gives you to do. You're taking care of an, an aging relative. Be diligent with that one person he's given you to care for. The kingdom of God starts small. The 75-year-old man and a 65-year-old wife, too old to have children. 
with the youngest of Jesse's son, with 70 in Birmingham, 38 in Matthews, North Carolina, 13 in Charlotte, 15 in Bartow, with a baby in a manger. The kingdom of God starts small. Be diligent with whatever he gives you to do. But it doesn't stay that way, does it? The kingdom of God grows. That's our second point. The kingdom of God grow, grows slowly and painfully. Jesus has this important time perspective built into his parable. <coughs> it is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown. Agriculture, there's the process of growth, and it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. When we want to say something boring, what do we say? It's like watching grass grow. Plants, grass, trees, they all take some time to grow. The kingdom of God generally grows slowly. We see that in the Bible. Abraham, recall, was 75 when God said, I will make of you a great nation. How long does he wait? He's 100 before the birth of the child of promise, Isaac. 25 years waiting for the increase of just one. How many of us would work for 25 years to see our ministries increase by just one? Joseph, when he was given the promise, he was 17 years old. Do you know how long he waited to see it fulfilled? He was 39 years old before he became second in command over, over Egypt. Thir 22 years. 22 years of waiting. We can see the slowness of growth in the kingdom of God in our church examples as well. Briarwood Church, after two years, it was a little under 100. Christ's Covenant, after two years, about 85. Our church in Charlotte, after two years, uh, about uh, 100. Uh, Bartow, I don't know the two-year count, but at 45 years, uh, was about a, 100. We start our ministries, and we want them to grow fast, but usually they grow slowly. This is true about the ministry of Jesus, too. Think about it. He was 30 years just becoming a man. And so the shepherds that came and worshipped him as a child, as an infant, and thought, infant thought the whole world would be changed now, watched for 5 and 10 and 15 and 25 years, and nothing really happened, nothing really changed. And then when Jesus ministered, he, the, the most talented preacher, pastor, church planter who has ever walked the planet by a good measure, when he ministered for three solid years, what did he leave behind? We're told about 120 disciples. No worldwide ministry. No website with tens of thousands of hits a day. No Twitter account with millions of followers. 120. Contrast those two disciples on the hill watching Jesus ascend to the power of Rome. The armies, the rule, the wealth, the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. The kingdom of God grows slowly, but it also grows painfully. The process of agricultural growth doesn't just take time. It also takes effort. Blood, sweat, and tears. You growers who are here today know that much better than I do. There are hardships with it. There's drought and insects and disease and hard back-breaking work and in the citrus industry, there are freezes. It's not just time that passes to see the kingdom of God grow. There, there is also work. It's too easy for us to see a, a ministry in its mature phase of the kingdom of God 
Like we might see a, a mighty oak or a mighty cedar and say, well, that took no effort at all and, and miss the, the blood, the sweat, and the tears. The sweat, the, the days, the months, the years that went into it. The tears, the, the heartache and struggle and conflict in the middle of it. The blood, the actual lives that are lost. Abraham, after pleading with God, watched Sodom, an entire city, be destroyed. He had to offer his, his first son to the promise on an altar. Think of the, the, the trials and the, the difficulties of those who have served Christ. How hard it was for Joseph. Beaten, sold into slavery, falsely accused, imprisoned, forgotten, imprisoned. The struggles and difficulties. David, hunted by Saul, hiding in caves, fled to the Philistines. The same is true in our age as well as in Bible times. The Briarwood Church in 2008, writers are launching a $28 million building program. The country went into recession and they had to cancel it. Christ Covenant Church in Matthews, North Carolina, just three years into it, the budget was so tight, the deacon suggested they cut missions giving and the pastor said, take my salary. I remember a very difficult year in the life of our church in Charlotte where we had back-to-back -back funerals. A young 33-year-old man, a father of four, took his own life in his backyard. And then just three months later, young woman, 25 years old, a single woman, beautiful young Christian woman, killed in a car accident, on, driving to teach at her Christian school. Our, our church was rocked by it. And I'm told that you have had your heartbreaks here of seeing two pastors pass into glory while serving her. First, Dr. Grady Oates in 1992 and Dr. John Ball in 2005, back-to-back. Despite seeing all this, as we look to the future, we still want the kingdom of God to be painless. We want to grow with ease, without the blood and the sweat and the tears. We forget those who went before us. Their blood, their sweat, and the tears. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and Paul. And sometimes, in our worst moments, we forget even the suffering of our Lord, his blood, his sweat, and his tears. All shed that night and the next morning for us in the garden and on the cross to see the kingdom grow. What application do we make of that? Let us expect the growth of the kingdom to be slow and painful. And so be patient. Be patient. Be diligent, but be patient with the slow and painful growth of the kingdom of God. Be patient and enduring. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he called us, said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And when he said he must take up his cross, he did not mean simply the, the jewelry that we wear, as, as, as great as that is to remember his cross by, he meant to die for him. That to follow him in this world means to suffer all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Be patient. The kingdom of God starts small. It grows slowly and painfully. The good news is, in the end, it has a big impact. Our third point. Impact is in this parable. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants. It becomes a tree 
so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. It is the largest of all garden plants. The mustard plant would grow to be tree-like, 10 to 15 feet tall. So there's impact in its size, but there's impact in, in what it does. The birds of the air come and find nests in its branches. They find a home where there was nothing before, just bare ground. A seed of the kingdom is dropped. And then a, a whole ecosystem arises as a result of it. It's one of the glorious things about it. Growing up in Jacksonville on the coast, my father had a boat. We'd often go out deep sea fishing. When we'd go out deep sea fishing, one of the places we'd often go would be to fish the wrecks. Why? Well, because that's where the fish are. So much of the shore the, out there is just sandy bottom. It's hard for life to catch hold. But when a ship sinks, what happens? Uh, algae collects around it. And then little fish come to eat the algae. And some medium-sized fish eat the little fish. And the big fish, those are the ones you want to catch, eat the medium-sized fish. And where there was nothing before, there's a whole ecosystem. Jesus, in this parable, is saying this is what the kingdom of God is. You take barren land, you drop a seed of the kingdom there of the gospel, and watch what happens. Pretty soon, birds of the air come, and they find a home. When my wife and I and the other 11s with us started Uptown Church in downtown Charlotte in 1994, this was one of the passages that grabbed our hearts. We said, what would happen if we dropped a, a seed of the kingdom in the middle of this giant secular banking city? What would happen? What would God do? It brings new life. It brings new life to all that it touches. Jesus may well have meant this parable to, to be an allusion to a prophecy from Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 22. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out on the mountain height of Israel Will I plant it, that little sprig, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar, and under it will dwell every kind of bird, and the shade of its branches of every sort will nest. That when it talks about the birds of the air there in, in, uh, in Ezekiel 17, the point is that all kinds of people will come to make their home within the kingdom of God. It was a, a prophecy that the gospel would go forward, not just to the, the Jews in this world, but to the Gentiles as well, that, that men, women, and boys and girls from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation would be included in this great kingdom of God. We, we see the big impact of the kingdom and and, and its size, that's one of the ways we see it. We see it really in three ways. But one is just the number of lives that are touched. Abraham, starting with that teeny little collection, his wife, his servants, his nephew Lot, after the people of God, after Israel emerges centuries later from Egypt, there are over two million of them. The kingdom of God has impact in its size. Briarwood Church that I mentioned started with 70. Today they have over 4,000 members. The initial... Uh, investment of 5000 a year, every year that church gives away $6 million investing into the forward movement of the kingdom of God. Christ Covenant Church in Matthews, North Carolina started with 38. Uh, today, or last I heard, they had about 1,600 members giving away over a million dollars a year. Uptown Church, we, we started with those 13. When we left there a few years ago in 20. 19, there were 700 members. We planted eight daughter churches, and we were giving away 600,000 a year. The kingdom of God grows. It has an impact in numbers. We see that in the life of Bartow as well. The initial 15 have grown to 342 members today. 
And your church last year gave away 125,000 to see the kingdom of God grow. In addition to that, Bartow has planted at least three successful churches, Lake Wales ARP in 1914, Lake Placid ARP 1926. They started with 24 charter members. Now they have 742. Shepherd Road ARP started with, in 1984, started with 30 charter members. Now has 140. God is growing his kingdom right here in Bartow through Bartow ARP, and he has been for decades. I love your mission statement. It says this to make disciples who worship, evangelize, and serve as a covenant community through Christ-centered, biblically-ordered ministry. Praise the Lord. Christ is worshipped here. Families are built here and come to know them. You have found a home here. You various birds have flocked together and found a home here. The kingdom of God growing right here in Bartow. And the lives have been changed. Barto ARP has touched the lives of hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people over its 130 years. Think about that. The kingdom of God, it grows, it has a big impact. By contrast, what happens to the kingdoms of this world? The Assyrian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, which at their heights all seemed impossibly enduring and strong. They vanish. They fall apart. Napoleon, whose empire crumbled with his defeat at Waterloo, said this, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself founded empires, but upon what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ alone founded his empire upon love, and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Christ, the Son of God, born of that manger over 2,000 years ago. That, that seed of the kingdom has grown and expanded today, not where millions, but billions of people call on him as Lord. So as it turns out, the manger in Bethlehem is the mightiest throne that has ever been. The kingdom of God has impact in the, the numbers, the lives that are changed. But it's more than that. It's not just the number. It's the, the depth of impact that it has. What amazes me most about God's kingdom is not just the size of it, but the depth of it, how Jesus drills into our hearts and changes us in the midst of the blood and the sweat and the tears. We cry out and we find Jesus in the midst of the pain, and he transforms us, doesn't he? And we are changed into his image more and more. And the kingdom of God presses down into our lives as we go out as pastors and servants of the Lord, all of us in, in ministry, lay ministry or ordained ministry, we, we think, well, well, we'll go out and we'll see people saved. And that's true. The Lord wants to use us to see people saved, but he wants to save us. I am saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. It's proper for us to say as Christians. Abraham, he knew the Lord much better after offering Isaac on the altar. He called him the God who provides. And Joseph came to know the Lord in a whole new way. The spunky, brash boy he said, hey, all you guys, my older brothers, you're all going to bow down to me someday. Then when they actually are bowing down to him, says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Even Jesus, in a way we can't understand learned of his father through his trials. Hebrews 5.8 tells us this. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. 
I know Dr. Barker in Birmingham, Dr. Reeder and Matthews, myself, Pastor Klein, those four churches that we look at today, as those pastors serve them, we are changed and transformed so that we come to love Jesus more than we ever did before. I asked Pastor Klein what his hope was for the future of the church. And out of his love for this church, he said, to fulfill Jesus' great commission by making, maturing, multiplying disciple makers and to lead the way in church planting within the Florida Presbytery. The kingdom of God is growing in its numbers and the impact that it has in our lives. But there's a third way, and I don't want you to miss this as you think about the way the kingdom changes things in the world. It goes down through the generations. It's not just our generation, but the kingdom, when the seed of the kingdom is planted, generations are affected for thousands of years. Our Lord says, I will, my love will endure for thousands of generations. I think of the family of Jonathan Edwards, the great pastor, theologian, and revivalist in the 1740s, pastored a church, a congregational church in Northampton, Mass., out of which the, the, the first great awakening began. A study was done of his family over the centuries, his descendants over the centuries, and they discovered over 900 descendants. 430 of them were pastors, 86 university professors, 75 authors, 13 university presidents, 7 congressmen, 1 vice president. Let me tell you, Jesus will reach down through the ministry of Bartow to generations for thousands of years if he tarries. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Jesus is building his kingdom through Bartow ARP. He has been doing it for decades. He will continue this. The kingdom of God starts small. It grows slowly and painfully, but in the end, it has a huge impact. Three simple applications for you. I've already mentioned them, but I want to mention them one last time. Number one, be diligent. Be diligent. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know, you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Jesus tells us how the kingdom of God grows, not in order to drive us to do more work, but because he loves us. And he wants us to, to call us away from the futility of trying to build our own empires on this earth because he knows all earthly empires will crumble and give ourselves instead to his kingdom. So whatever little piece of the kingdom he gives you to serve in, be, be diligent. There's no greater investment you can make than sowing seeds of the kingdom of God. Where today does Jesus want you to sow the seed of his kingdom? The gospel. Is there a neighbor, a relative, a friend, a, a family member, a coworker? a schoolmate that he wants you to take the gospel to? Don't worry about how feeble it seems to you. Sow the seed of the kingdom. Is there a way to serve in the mission of Bartow ARP? Some way to, to volunteer here, to give your life for the kingdom of God, to teach at Sunday school, to work with the youth and outreach, maybe with a, a new church plant? It does not matter how small the beginning seems to you. If it is the kingdom of God, the Lord will use it to grow. Be be diligent. Secondly, as I said before, be patient. Despite the slow and painful growth of the kingdom, be patient. Trust the Lord. Look to Jesus to grow his kingdom. Day in and day out, we're just like our, our, my four or five-year-old son, Preston, 
uh, looking up the Lord, saying, but Daddy, it's not doing anything. And he looks at us with a smile and says, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Trust me. Trust me. Be patient. The kingdom of God takes time to ripen. Keep sowing in faith. Third and finally, I've said already, but I want to say it again, be encouraged. Be encouraged knowing what Christ will do. No matter how small it may appear now, no matter how slow and painful it is, Jesus will use every drop of sweat, blood, and tears we shed. Every gospel conversation we have, every prayer we pray, every deed of mercy, he will use those to build his kingdom. And it's happening right now in Bartow. Be encouraged. You're sitting here today. You're the, the, just the fact that you're here, your presence, proves that the seed of the kingdom works. Those 15 charter members who sowed over 130 years ago, you're living proof that Jesus is powerful. Be diligent. Be patient. Be encouraged. You, you never know the impact that some little seed of the kingdom that you sow will have. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher at Mount Vernon Congregational Church in Boston in the 1850s. April 21st, 1855, he decided to go call on one of his Sunday school children, an 18-year-old boy working in a local store. He wanted to sow a little seed of the kingdom, share Christ's love with him. Kimball writes, I was determined to speak to him about Christ and about his soul and started down to Holton's boot store. When I was nearly there, I began to wonder whether I ought to go in just then during business hours. I thought my call might embarrass the boy. So he's hesitating outside the store. I went up to him at once, and putting my hand on his shoulder, I made what I felt after, afterwards was a very weak plea for Christ. <laughs> How many can identify and say, oh, yeah, whenever I try to share the gospel, it is a weak plea for Jesus? I'm not sure what to say. Kimball continues, I simply told him of Christ's love for him. That was all there was. It seemed the young man was just ready for the light that then broke upon him. And there in the back of that store in Boston, D.L. Moody gave himself and his life to Christ. Now, most of you, I suppose, know something of the life of D.L. Moody. Nine years later, in 1864, he planted a church in Chicago that would go on to, to reach thousands. He would go on to preach to hundreds of thousands across Europe and America. He would found in his hometown of Northfield, Massachusetts, a, a boys' school and a, and a girls' school. They're still going on today. In 1886, he helped to establish Moody, what is today Moody Bible Institute. All this impact in ministry. All, all from one little seed of the kingdom. Dropped that afternoon in Holton's boot store by a Sunday school teacher into the life of an 18-year-old boy. Jesus loves you. Give yourself to planting seeds of the kingdom of God. Because we know where it all goes. When the kingdom, small that it may be now, comes to its fruition, this is where it all ends up. Revelation 7. I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
brothers and sisters. It all goes on from here, today, right now, with every seed of the kingdom sown. You see, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we again thank you for your word. We thank you for sending your Son into this world to be our Savior and Redeemer, our prophet, priest, and king. We thank you for this very word, this parable that teaches us about your kingdom and how it advances, not to enslave us, but to free us. That we might give ourselves not to building our own empires or the kingdoms of this world, but to the eternal, the heavenly kingdom of God. We thank you for your love. Lord, do this work in our lives. Motivate us to serve your kingdom with every ounce of our being. For this we ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Could we please join?